join us on Civil War Talk Radio with our guest, David W. Blight, as we go on the Civil War time machine when we return on Civil War Talk Radio. Have you let your website go stale? Wish you didn't have to wait for your web developer to return your call when you want to update content? You don't have to. Now you can easily and instantly manage your own website content using affordable Avalar technology. Avalar is a website development and hosting company that provides turnkey internet solutions for companies like yours that need to stay focused on core business. Avalar gives you the power to control your website and make updates and additions in real time without having to learn HTML or other complicated programming tools. Websites powered by Avalar feature capabilities that attract more customers and enhance relationships with existing customers. Avalar offers a multitude of leading-edge solutions, including lead generation and referral tracking, shopping carts and payment processing, membership management, and search engine optimization, to name a few. Take advantage of the full power of the Internet using Avalar technology at www.avalar.com. That's A-V-A-L-A-R.com. You're listening to World Talk Radio, where the world comes to talk. Welcome back to Civil War Talk Radio. I'm Jerry Prokopovich, talking today with David Blight, author of Race and Reunion, the Civil War in American Memory. And we've been talking about how the nation has remembered the Civil War, and in particular how that memory changed from the immediate post-war era through the late 19th century into a depoliticized, uh, sentimentalized, romanticized, uh, reconciliationist version of the war in which all who took part could be proud of what they had done, uh, except the African-American soldiers who are not mentioned and whose cause is, is largely forgotten. Um, well, this, uh, David, we were just saying at the end of our last segment how this uh, has started to change over time, how in the, uh, the last, uh, certainly last 30 or 40 years, uh, the, the historical profession has moved beyond the lost cause paradigm, and the public is, is catching up. Uh, and yet you will still find, if you, uh, I'm sure you've found on many occasions, if, if you talk to the uh, right group, uh, perhaps mm-hmm. the Sons of Confederate Veterans Group, or perhaps reenactors, uh, you can find people who are very uncomfortable with the notion that the war was about slavery, right. or, or that uh, that it should be remembered in that way. Well, indeed, and I think what this shows us continually, whatever the question and whatever the the subject of memory, memory is always in some ways about the present. Historical memory, public memory, the, the 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 versions of the past that we come to believe in, whether we get them from schooling or from popular culture or from, um, hopefully, from reading books. Oh, that's good. Uh, memory is ultimately always, to to a great extent, about the stakes of controlling the present. And a lot of the reaction in the last decade or two to this new historiography, this new pedagogy of, of emphasizing emancipation, of emphasizing the black soldier, of, uh, of trying to understand the American Civil War in the broad context of how it might have been a second American revolution that, that, that you know, 
rewrote, recreated, reimagined the American Constitution. Um, uh, for a lot of Americans, they're not comfortable with that. And the reason is that they've never been comfortable with the big changes that occurred after the 1960s, the so-called Second Reconstruction. Um, a lot of Americans who really care about the Civil War uh, often use it. They, they use its stories and they use its narratives and they use its heroes to and react to um, the present that they're living in. I mean, one one clear example is all of the talk in recent years about the so-called black confederates. Um, yes. Which has especially been advanced by the sons of Confederate veterans, but not only by them. Um, this notion that somehow there were hundreds, thousands, they claim, of loyal black Confederates serving in the Confederate forces uh, just doesn't hold up to historical research. Uh, there's been a wonderful recent book uh, that I reviewed in the Washington Post uh, called Confederate Emancipation by Bruce Levine that, that puts this argument to shame, um, and there are others who have who have who have done that. It doesn't mean there weren't a few uh, slaves or or even free blacks in the South that um, held some kind of loyalty to to their sense of home or, or, or to to even the white people they lived with. Uh, inevitably, that's that's bound to occur. But but that whole argument about black Confederates in the last decade or so has been, in my view, all about race relations of the 1980s and 1990s. Uh, it's really about the, the world that some people wish they weren't living in, which is this hugely pluralistic, multicultural, multi-ethnic, uh, sometimes confusing, um, uh, sometimes cacophonous America uh, that we have today. Well, I'm... I'm... Uh, I, I agree with your, your view of Bruce Levine's work. I'm looking forward to having him on the show. His, uh, his class schedule interferes with him being here this semester, but we'll get him on sooner or later yeah. uh, to talk about his work. But that issue of the black Confederates does come up uh, over and over. I know. And uh, it, it is... Uh, it's often uh, about the second or third question I get in every lecture I give now about uh, Civil War memory. Uh, right up there with it is often a question about reparations for slavery. I either get one or the other, and sometimes both. And uh, these are both examples of, of how, as you say, how real this is, how present-minded this is. We're uh, uh, here in Greenville, North Carolina. We're in the throes of a dispute over whether to name a street after Martin Luther King. Oh, yeah. There was already a street named after him, but but only half of the street. Oh, I see. Mm. It's just, uh... yeah. Well, I mean, what this always demonstrates, Jerry, is that the Civil War was about huge, fundamental, transforming questions about America. Who are we? What are we? What kind of republic are we? How inclusive or exclusive will we be? And it also, of course, was an event of enormous violence, enormous bloodletting. Mm-hmm. It left a huge mark on at least two generations of Americans, and it has to be explained. It has to be faced. And sometimes it's easier to face something like this that was so transformative and so violent. 
if you can find a, a way to process it in nostalgia or romance or sentiment or just storytelling alone, because sometimes actually facing the reality of how the war was fought, what the war was really fought about, and what its actual long-term consequences have been is just much, much harder to do. But it's, of course, our responsibility to face that. Civil War is the most vexing aspect of American historical memory. It probably always will be. Uh, I mean, one measure of that is, uh, again, something like uh, the Confederate battle flag. Uh, if If that war wasn't about race, that flag probably wouldn't still be around and be an issue. Um, if, uh, you know, if that war wasn't about race and didn't give us the 14th Amendment to establish equality before the law, we probably wouldn't have a debate over affirmative action. Uh, if that war hadn't been about slavery and brought emancipated slaves into the Union Army uh, to the tune of 180,000, um, we wouldn't be talking about some black Confederates. I mean, uh, 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 our debates over race are almost always historically linked back to what we either accomplished or didn't accomplish uh, coming out of, uh, out of that transformative moment of the 1860s, 1870s. It's why we ended up calling uh, the uh, civil rights uh, movement, uh, at least certainly its legal phase, a second reconstruction, uh, because the first one had uh, had not fully succeeded. Well, I think that that really does touch on the heart of of why this is such a uh, why why the memory of this war has has first of all been transformed so much from. Uh, from a, a brutal and a very politicized conflict into something that can be uh, uh, it can be tamed in some way and, and, and domesticated and, and enjoyed in terms of recreating it uh, on a Saturday afternoon at the park, right? Uh, or otherwise. Uh, well, it's always that that uh, reaction one gets when, and I understand it fully because I grew up with this sensibility, but I uh, I encounter people all the time. Uh, entirely well-meaning, and I'm actually glad they say it. But when when they come up and they'll say, "Oh, I just love the Civil War," yes, and, and I'll want to say, "Well, just what is it that you love?" <laughs> I just love the Black Plague, the War, Great Era. War, you know, <laughs> but I, I know what they mean. They, they, right, they, they're attracted to its epic qualities. They're attracted to the story. They're attracted to how important it was. And they're also, let's face it, sometimes they're just attracted to military history. Um, but but I encounter that all the time, which many of us do uh, when we run into the lovers of this war. I mean, yeah. you don't find too many people saying, "Oh, I just love the Thirty Years' War in Europe," or no, or, or Vietnam. Yeah, I just love the Vietnam War. Or yeah, uh, do you hear that? Yeah, I just love this insurgency in Iraq. Isn't it fun? <laughs> no, whichever side you're on, no, no one's going to say they're they're loving it at this point. No, 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 That's indeed, true. Well, let me ask you, uh, if uh, if I may, what what you are working on these days? Are are you still pursuing Civil War era projects? Oh, sure. I'm actually writing a book. I'm almost finished with, and it should be out next year, on two recently discovered slave narratives. Um, they're both uh, narratives written after the war by young men who escaped from slavery. Uh, 
One's name is John Washington. He escaped in Fredericksburg uh, in April of 1862 as soon as Union troops arrived on the Rappahannock. The other's name is Wallace Turnage, and he escaped in August of 1864 in Mobile Bay in a rowboat uh, to the Union forces on Dauphin Island. Both of them, uh, one in 1874 and the other uh, is undated, although I think he wrote it in the 1880s. Both sat down after the war and wrote their stories, largely of, of their escape, their emancipation during the war. Each narrative ends with the end of the war. And these were recently discovered and brought to me, uh, one from the Massachusetts Historical Society and the other from the Greenwich, Connecticut Historical Society of all places. Uh, they're extraordinary documents, uh, rare documents, and what I'm doing is I'm going to publish the two, and then I'm writing a book about them and rounding out their lives. Uh, both lived into the 20th century and lived remarkable lives. So it's going to be a, a kind of a short history of, uh, of emancipation through these two windows of um, rare and uh, until now unseen narratives of emancipation well, that is something I think all our listeners will look forward to uh, to seeing the publication of uh, in 2007 uh, you suggest we'll be able to see those um, well I had hoped to be able to ask you as I often ask our guests uh, what what you might do if you could spend an hour in history going back to the Civil War or perhaps to the 1913 reunion but unfortunately, the, the music creeps up again. I mean, we're out of time, so you get to think about that question. We'll do that next year. Until next year or whenever I can uh, next uh, have you back on the show. Uh, it, it has been a real pleasure. Uh, it's, uh, I've enjoyed it thoroughly and, and learned a lot, and I know our listeners have too. And uh, I'd like to thank you for being on Civil War Talk Radio. Thank you, Jerry. I enjoyed it. And listeners, thank you for listening. I'm Jerry Prokopovich, and this is Civil War Talk Radio. source for informative talk on the World Wide Web.